You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, We'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? This week, meet the founder of Girls in Gear. Gabrielle Rossi is the executive director of Girls in Gear, which is a nonprofit organization that teaches young girls life skills through bike skills. Starting as young as five years old, Gabrielle and her team of coaches offer both one-day clinics to learn to ride, as well as eight-week programs that combine the physical benefits of biking with the social and emotional learning that help build confidence in each of these youth. The program has expanded beyond New Jersey into neighboring states, and to date they have helped hundreds of girls with both bike and life skills. Girls in Gear is for girls ages five and up, and they're always looking for coaching opportunities. So be sure to check out their website, which is girlsingear.org. So here's Gabrielle. Right, I would like to introduce my guest for this week. Uh, not only is she the founder, but she's also the executive director of Girls in Gear. Let's welcome Gabrielle Rossi. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this conversation and talk about our work with your audience. Yes, I am excited as well. Um, from what I've seen on the interwebs, this is an excellent nonprofit organization. So I'm really glad to be able to share with our listeners what it's all about. Oh, I'm honored. Yeah, we are a nonprofit organization. So Girls in Gear helps build confidence for riders ages five and up on and off their bike. And so we say that we teach life skills through bike skills. And in practice, that means uh, eight-week season in the fall and the spring, as well as multiple one-day clinics where we bring girls together to go through our curriculum, which blends social-emotional learning with age-appropriate bike riding skills. Mm. Yeah, and and we do all of this because we believe that biking is so important, not just for the physical benefits, but even more so for the social and emotional benefits that I'm sure we we all know the value of and understanding that the lessons we learn on our bike about grit and resiliency and thoughtful leadership, assertive communication, right, the list goes on, are things that our riders can take with them uh, throughout their life, be it at school, at work, with friends, family, in their extracurriculars, and apply those lessons with tenacity and, and pluck and verve to go on to be the, the best version of themselves they can be in whatever space that looks like. That is so cool. And I'm thinking, you know, while you're telling uh, telling us about this, um, I know where biking fits into my life as an adult, and I spend a ton of time biking and talking about biking and podcasting about biking, but I can't imagine what my life would be like if I had learned some skills in the biking industry or just in the biking world at, like, age five. Like, I I bet you, you know, my dream during COVID was to learn how to do a wheelie, <laughs> and I failed, but man, if I would have been five years old and on a bike, I bet you I'd I bet you I'd be a pretty pretty cool wheelie rider right now. 
Oh, I still think you could be a really cool wheelie rider, but <laughs> <laughs> but to that point, so much of what we do is preventative, and so we live in a world, which I'm sure you you know and understand and live, where girls and women are constantly questioned for, yeah. for who they are and, and what they are and, and what they stand for, and that self-doubt shows up in how we hold ourselves in our school communities, our work communities, our friends, our families, our peers, and it gets worse for adolescent girls and has continued to get worse, right? Between mm-hmm. uh, those pivotal middle school years, confidence in girls plummets. Uh, and that decline in self-confidence also means a decline in physical activity levels where starting at age 10, girls drop out of sports twice at the rate of their male counterparts. Wow. And it's because of low self-confidence, um, a misunderstanding of their changing bodies because of puberty, a perceived lack of skill or not being welcome. And so we have girls who don't feel good about themselves physically, mentally, emotionally. We have girls who aren't moving their bodies because of that and not enjoying all of the benefits that come with it. And so we have a created a program because we know that when a girl learns how to ride a bike or change a flat tire or lead a group ride or understand the freedom and accessibility that comes with being able to move through the world with that sense of independence that comes with riding is something that also translates to lessons on inner strength, on Mm self-reliance, on innate leadership potential. Because when a girl can ride safely and confidently through the world, there's like no saying how far she's going to go. Right, right. Wow, that's amazing. And if you think back to when you maybe just had the vision, you know, before it became a company and a nonprofit, like what's the history? Was there something maybe when you were a kid or if you have a daughter or like how did it come to exist? Yeah, that's a great question. So my background has always been in using movement, outdoor recreation, sport, whatever it may be, as a conduit or platform for larger lessons about ourselves, whether it's leadership, environmental stewardship, scientific exploration. And so I've always aligned myself with and worked with organizations within that vein in the Mm -hmm. nonprofit space. And then I also have an academic side to my work as a doctoral candidate where my research really focuses on biking specifically as a form of pro-social behavior, which is to say anything we do that is of good or of service to the people around us and how biking can be an entree into that world. And so those things kind of come together to create this perfect storm. Um, I've also biked across the country for charity, and so I know firsthand, going here, bike touring uh, routes, uh, I know firsthand the intrinsic and intangible benefits of that kind of Mm -hmm. commitment Mm -hmm. and that kind of work. And so Girls and Gear started really small. It started out as a group of eight girls in my town because – I was on the board of my local bike walk group and uh, the president who knew me and has known my background was like, you should really start, you know, a girls biker group in town. You know, we teach all these learn to ride classes and and we have fairly equal gender parity in these situations and these classes and these events, but you never see those girls bike around town, right? Like we have all these boy biker games that are tearing up the mean streets of suburban New Jersey, but we don't see that for the girls. Like maybe you can be that person. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It was in the middle of COVID. I was stuck in my apartment. I wanted to get out and and have social interactions (laughs) too. And we came together for eight weeks. There were eight girls and we talked about our feelings. We biked through puddles. We 
listened to music and they told me why Taylor Swift wasn't cool anymore and we <laughs> celebrated birthdays and in so many ways it was just about infusing joy back into our lives and, and understanding how to relate to people in a personal face-to-face setting again mm. but so much of what we talked about are so many of the things that really structure our Christmas now which are far more formalized than they were in that first season and so we went from having eight girls to 60 girls to 300 girls. And so it's really snowballed since that uh, first season, not too long ago. And that is really a testament to the wonderful community that has really grown around Girls in Gear and understood this to be a program that is necessary for their own daughters and community members and, and neighbors and uh, younger selves. Yeah. I hope that, you know, those first eight girls that you are able to keep in touch with them. So when they're, you know, off to college or whatever they decide to do as adults that, you know, you can communicate with them and be like, do you remember doing this as a young girl? Yeah, I mean, that's always my hope. And I always love getting emails and and cards and notes from uh, girls who have gone through our program and said that, you know, this is something that has really helped me for XYZ. Uh, So this past fall season, we had participants. She was from Uruguay. She just moved to the United States, did not speak any English. She moved here with her mother and biking was a huge part of her life uh, back in Uruguay. She didn't know any English, but her mom read about us through a local newspaper and thought that Girls in Gear would be a wonderful opportunity for her to adjust to her new surroundings, make new friends, learn English, and, and feel some sort of normalcy. And the very beginning of the season, it was uh, a, a challenge of translating and, and making sure that she understood what was happening right. and, and making her feel included, getting her a bike. But she came consistently every single week. And at the end of the season, she wrote the sweetest card about uh, her seven favorite things about girls and gear in perfect English. Again, she knew no English when she started the program hmm. seven weeks prior and made wonderful friends. Her mom made wonderful connections to really cement her in the community and have opportunities for upward mobility in terms of housing and job opportunities and is but one of many really heartwarming stories we get from participants, from school administrators, from parents and caregivers that Girls and Gear was so transformative for their rider, not necessarily because they learned how to ride a bike or became better at hand signaling, but because they were in a community that fostered personal growth, trying your best in a non-competitive manner that was about biking, but it's also so much more than biking. Yeah. And you said you had um, both fall and spring sessions. I don't know if I'm using the right word there. Um, And I heard you say something about New Jersey, so I'm guessing that's where you are. But I know you have multiple locations, correct? Yeah. So I am physically in New Jersey, but we have programming all over the place these days. So we have programming throughout New Jersey, uh, greater Philadelphia, the greater Washington, D.C. area, into Maryland and Virginia, um, a big chunk of eastern Virginia, so the greater Richmond area, and then Cleveland. Wow. So we're, yeah, (laughs) we're a little bit all over the place, which, again, is incredible, and that is a testament to our volunteers and board members and staff members who have really uh, taken Girls in Gear and run with it in their own communities, and, of course, our sponsors and grant makers who make it financially possible. Right. 
Okay, so you are the founder and also the executive director, and I highly doubt that you are traveling to all those locations for each of these <laughs> classes. So what is your role? Yeah, I mean, my role these days can probably be best summed up as uh, chief cheerleader in building an incredible team of people who are so smart and enthusiastic and engaged and fierce advocates for their communities and, and riders in their own right mm -hmm. who are able to build these communities of girls in gear, supporters and riders and coaches and, and uh, ambassadors that can build the program. And so a quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. We have program directors who work regionally to run programming in their area, along with um, dedicated staff that focus on development coach training, curriculum development, so that our volunteers feel equipped and confident in their coaching abilities and in knowing that they can be the best role models they can be for our girls mm -hmm. and that they have the skills to feel confident to run the program. So I always say you only need to know three like things to be a Girls in Gear coach, and that's how to uh, properly and safely adjust the helmet, how to raise and lower a bike seat so it's the right height for a rider and how to put air in your tires. Other than that, and we teach you those things, uh, all skill levels, gender identities, riding backgrounds are, are wholly welcome uh, and appreciated as a girls and gear coach, right? Mm -hmm. Coaches are the heartbeat of our program. We could right. not do anything without the hundreds of coaches who turn up for these girls uh, every week in the fall and the spring. And so, we get coaches all the time or, or would-be coaches who are like, you know, I really want to coach girls in gear, but I'm not a cyclist. I'm like, do you ride a bike? They're like, yeah, of course. I bike mm -hmm. to the train station. I bike to the farmer's market. I'm like, well, you are a cyclist. Everything we ascribe on top of biking beyond that it is a means of getting from one place to another is just that, right? It's, it's just fluff. It's mm -hmm. the idea of you need to look a certain way or dress a certain way or know a certain lingo or your bike needs to be worth however much money. And we have wonderful, wonderful coaches who show up in full kits and their time trial bikes or whatever it may be. But the vast, vast majority of our coaches are people who ride step through bikes or they had to pull their old mountain bike out of the back of the garage and dust her off so that <laughs> they could get the girls in gear. And we love that because those are the people who reflect the communities in which we serve. Right. And so we always, always, always want to make sure that our coaches, our staff, our board, our role models for our girls are people who live and bike and exist in the same communities in which our girls do. Mm -hmm. And how do these girls... Uh, well, A, how do they found, find out about your organization? And then is it uh, like a membership-based or do they have to join? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So it depends on the community. Everyone is so different. We work a lot with wonderful partner organizations that also do work in their communities, whether it's a social service organization or a community bike shop, a bike club, a school, a YMCA, a recreation center. And so they have means of reaching out to girls and families or they already have an existing source. Mm -hmm. We also do a lot of school-based programming. So we work with school administration and then host 
the program after school for those riders. We have a no questions asked scholarship policy for anyone who participates in any of our programs where you can pay as much or as little of our registration fee as you feel comfortable. And then we also provide bikes and helmets to anyone who needs them. And that's our way. Yeah, that's our way of breaking down barriers of entry to biking for all the reasons I just talked about. But in terms of how girls get involved, so you can sign up for any of our programming. And so you can either sign up for an eight-week season in the fall and the spring, but we also do a lot of one-day clinics that Mm. are either learn-to-ride events or bike maintenance events. And let's go back to, like, the eight-week program. Um, I did read online, you know, I would assume that the girls already know how to ride a bike. You know, maybe they don't know how to put air in the tire, like you mentioned, and those sorts of things, or properly put their helmet on. But will you describe a typical program? I mean, are they learning... You know, they're certainly not learning how to do a 100-mile bike ride, you know, in eight <laughs> weeks. But give us an idea of what they what they do. Yeah, so for our one-day programs, that's where we teach learn-to-ride sessions. And so that is a designated time and place in which we teach all ages and abilities how to learn how to ride a bike. Okay. I never like to call them learn-to-ride outright because that creates pressure or assumptions for everyone involved that – Uh, a rider will leave learning to ride on two wheels. Everyone comes to our learn to ride events with different levels of skill, uh, apprehension, willingness. And so we teach riders the skills and tools to learn how to ride a bike. And a lot of them do learn how to ride on two wheels at the end. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them make strides towards that journey and, and towards that end goal, whatever that end goal looks like for them. But for our eight week program, The way it works is all of our sessions are structured almost identically, regardless of what age group. So we run programming for girls ages 5 to 7, 8 to 10, 11 to 13, and then 14 and up. And so we have those four distinct curriculum. But for each session, there are uh, goals that, if nothing else, we hope the girls take away these things when they leave Girls in Gear. But we start with an introduction of our life skills for the day. And so that might be resiliency, leadership, grit, teamwork, friendship, celebrating what makes us unique, like the list goes on. And so we use that life skill and we weave it through the the lesson in its entirety. And so we introduce the life skill. Maybe we play a game or do a quick chat or role play or, or whatever it may be. And then there's a mindful meditation moment where the girls really center themselves, think about what do we want to uh, really be present with when we're riding today? How do we clear out the noise that may be in our head and the distractions that we came with at Girls in Gear? How do we set those aside for this 90 minutes? And then we stretch and then we uh, weave in our connection to biking and then our biking skill. So for example, we have a lesson on uh, resiliency and what it means to be resilient and who are some resilient people in our lives and what makes them that way. And then that's connected to a lesson on falling off your bike and how that can be really scary. Mm. So how do we talk about that? What does that feel like? Uh, And then how do we use those resiliency muscles to get back on our bike? And we do this through games and activities, through bike rides, through play. And so it's very much movement-based. And so the littlest girls stay contained in a designated car-free area because some of them are on balance bikes, some of them on tricycles, some of them are tearing it up on two wheels. Mm -hmm. 
And then the older girls work towards doing longer bike rides. Not quite 100 miles, but (laughs) they they get into double digits. Wow. Definitely, your organization is so much more than teaching young girls bike skills. Yeah, we really do try to lead with that social-emotional component and using that social-emotional foundation as an entree into these larger lessons because we know you and I and anyone who has a connection to riding their bike knows that, you know, physical activity and emotional well-being are so, so, so closely linked. And having a program that promotes those positive associations with physical activity and for girls, uh, appreciation for their bodies and what it can do physically is vital to supporting their mental and emotional well-being, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a world where over 50% of American girls are unhappy with their bodies. And that number only continues to grow as they go through adolescence. And then you add social media and the last few years in terms of mental health. And you're just yeah compounding that over and over and over again. And so if we know that exercising is associated with improved body image mm-hmm. and fostering a non-competitive environment in which we never talk about how far we ride, uh, that we're riding as a means of counteracting food intake. We never talk about how many calories we burn. We never compare ourselves to other riders. We're really showing girls through our actions and through our leadership and role modeling that by intentionally focusing on social emotional learning as a way to promote these positive mental and physical uh, feelings of well-being about what our bodies are and what they can do for us mm-hmm. is so, so, so good at home. When you, when you see these kids at the beginning of the program versus the end of the program, do you see marked differences in maybe personality or you know, confidence level. I mean, are the, are you at the end of a program going, wow, look at what we did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Every coach I talk to has that story of a rider who came to their program. So apprehensive, did not want to be there, hated mm-hmm. biking. You know, their parents are throwing them out of the car because they signed them up and they know it's good for them, but they don't want to be there. And they really show that resistance. But as the season goes on, through friendship building and play, really find a way into biking as a means of, you know, whatever it feels for that girl in their life, right? Right. It might be an outlet for anxiety they're feeling at school. It may be an opportunity where maybe they didn't feel fully accepted in a traditional sports or team environment, Mm -hmm. but this gives them all the benefits of being in a team setting without any of the competition Maybe it's the conversations we're having about how to talk about the ways we're feeling. But we have countless, countless stories about girls who have showed up apprehensive, nervous, scared, reticent, right? Like the list goes on. Right. And especially, especially for the older girls, right? So with the five to seven-year-old girls, they're always clamoring. They're like physically jumping on top of each other to answer a question or contribute or demonstrate an activity or share their experience and and you go to those sessions and there's life and there's noise and there's enthusiasm and it feels a little chaotic but everyone is really trying to bring out the best in themselves Mm -hmm. and then you go to an 11 to 13 year old session and 
it's such a stark contrast because the girls don't feel like they have the confidence to speak up or share their opinion or ask a question or move their body. And you literally see the statistics of declining rates of self-esteem in girls like play out in real time and it's, wow. it's mind boggling. And so you compare those two sessions at the very beginning of the season with the five to seven year old girls who are so, so full of life. And then these teenagers who are really, really struggling to feel like they're being seen. And then over the course of the season, you see the 11 to 13 year olds really peel back those layers and find more of their five to seven year old self where they are able to confide in each other and their coaches. And that's a testament to the coaches and creating a safe space where girls feel comfortable, you know, stretching outside their comfort zone, trying something new, even if it feels a little scary at first, or, you know, sharing something that they might not otherwise have felt comfortable sharing with the group. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other opportunities those girls would have to be in such a safe place where, you know, like you said, you're not measuring calories or miles and all the girls are on the same level. They're all just learning how to ride their bike and then talking about feelings. It's a really cool, cool program. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, we uh, are under no delusions that we are the only bike program out there for youth, but we would like to think that we are really contributing something different in being a non-competitive program, a non-competitive program for girls, and then a non-competitive program for girls that focuses on road biking as opposed to mountain. And you mentioned earlier, you know, that there are countless stories about, you know, girls who have progressed throughout your program. Do you have any um, specific stories that you want to share with us? Oh my gosh, there's so many. We had a visually impaired rider last spring who had recently moved to the United States and didn't speak any English and their parents had signed them up for the program uh, they were 15 year old 15 years old at the time their parents had signed them up for their program as an opportunity to get more acclimated to the states and, and make friends but they almost exclusively define themselves through their their blindness and so it was very very apprehensive but finally came to a session and we sourced an adult tricycle, which are just a lot of fun to ride Mm. generally. And so we sourced an adult tricycle and had a bilingual coach that was their designated coach who was really their eyes and their ears. And so they were there to translate for them, to help them create a sense of space in terms of where they were riding, where they were. And almost immediately they went from being incredibly reticent scared, unwilling to do something that was so novel and scary for them. And they were taken off. They were tearing up the streets <laughs> of, of their community with this adult tricycle because it gave them a way to move through the world that had not been uh, previously accessible to them. And it was incredible to watch. Sure. Wow, that's great. Yeah, we have so many wonderful stories of, of riders who – you know, come to Girls in Gear their first session and they know how to ride, but they don't like to or they don't feel confident doing so or maybe their bike isn't uh, the right size and so they feel like they can't keep up with the rest of the group. But, you know, week after week, they come with that sense of determination and commitment to wanting to be the best version of themselves and they have a group that is cheering them on every step of the way. 
and they go from hanging out in the back to clamoring to lead group rides and, and that's like such a perfect example of what we can only hope to do with all of our programming yeah and of course you know me being a bicycle enthusiast my hope for you is that all of these girls you know continue through life um, enjoying the bicycle but they're learning so much more than that you know what I mean even if these girls you know end up living in a community where they can't bike or they don't bike they are still learning all of those other skills as far as mental health and confidence and all that good stuff yeah that's that's always our hope right that when girls know how to freely and confidently move through life on a bicycle there's no saying how far they're going to go and that could be for recreation for sport for fitness for competition uh, for independence, transportation, mobility, like the list goes on mm-hmm. of the reasons we use use biking. And we hope that the girls continue to do that, use those lessons and take those skills with them wherever they may go, right? We, always, of course, want them to come back to our program and participate in our program as it progresses and as they progress through adolescence. But to take their skills and take the bikes we give them and be able to continuously use them. Right. Do you plan to take Girls in Gear and expand to more locations? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. We are always looking for opportunities to expand. Like I said, we are launching in Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Richmond this spring. And so we are almost inundated with requests of people in their communities who want to bring Girls in Gear uh, to their schools, to their neighborhoods, to their bike clubs, to their recreation departments, after school programs, right? The list goes on. So we are only hindered by uh, people power and funding. And so we want to make sure that we're thoughtful about every city and neighborhood we launch in and that the program they are getting is the same as a program that has been running for you know many years at this point. Right. So we want that consistency so that everyone has that same transformative experience with our program. And so if anyone is ever interested in bringing Girls in Gear to their area, they can go onto our website, girlsandgear.org, and learn all about starting a new site. Okay. And so, you know, if someone is really interested, they can reach out to you and maybe start a dialogue on whether or not it's right in their community. And then I'm assuming you also are always looking for volunteers at current locations. Oh, my gosh. Always. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> love volunteers of all uh Gender identities, biking backgrounds, walks of life. You don't need to have coaching experience. You don't need to have experience working with youth. You just need to bring enthusiasm and a sense of spontaneity, and we will provide the rest. And so you can also go onto our website, girlsandgear.org, and learn all about coaching for our spring or fall season. Our spring season starts mid-April. Our fall season starts mid-September. And so leading up to that, We have coach trainings where we provide all the resources and uh, safety uh, lessons that you need to feel confident and enthusiastic about leading a Girls and Gear team in your community. Excellent. And of course, uh, we've talked about that you're a nonprofit, so I'm assuming that you are maybe accepting donations at all times and... Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We are always we are always looking for donations to support our program. As I previously mentioned, our scholarship funding 
provides for a no questions asked scholarship policy mm -hmm. for any of the girls who participate in our programming. We also uh, fully subsidize programming in communities where 80% or more of kids are eligible for free or reduced lunch. Mm. And so that is one of our ways of breaking down barriers of accessibility to biking. And so we provide financial scholarships. We also provide bikes and helmets. And so donations will go towards getting more girls on bikes that, and bikes that they get to keep for the duration of the program, but then also after the program. Oh, wow. So it's girlsingear.org. Um, before we end, is there any, like anyone you want to give a shout out to or maybe some sponsors? Yeah, absolutely. We are nothing without our incredible, incredible uh, community of people people power programs. And so I always like to recognize and acknowledge our uh, tireless, selfless staff who is the real heart and soul of our organization right. and doing the work that they do and the board that supports them in a volunteer capacity. But of course, our coaches who are the ones who are out there on Saturday mornings, even when it's really cold or really hot <laughs> or something in between. And they are showing up for our girls and showing up for our girls in big ways and little ways and ways they might not even recognize until years down the line when a girl reach out, reaches out to them and, and lets them know how transformative the experience was for them. And so we are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly grateful for that. Oh, man. I'm, I'm really glad that I was able to meet you and learn more about Girls in Gear. And I think I'll speak on behalf of all the listeners that we're really hopeful that your organization can continue to grow. Thank you. I am so excited. I'm very much here for the journey. And like I said, we love talking to people who are biking within their own communities who want to bring a program like Girls and Gear to their community or who are doing similar work, right? Like we, we love learning from and understanding how we can do better by our own community by knowing what other people are doing in their own right. So right. I always look forward to, to having these conversations. Great. Well, thank you so much, Gabrielle, for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener.